It's Reese Parkinson here and welcome to How I Got Here. I'm excited for this. It's Westfield's new podcast series, exploring unique and inspirational careers. Over the course of eight episodes, I'll be speaking to some amazing entrepreneurs and business owners. So join us as we hear from the people behind the brand. Emmanuel Asuko is a finance guru, a qualified financial advisor, and has been working in the financial sector for over 15 years. He's appeared on TV shows such as This Morning and Save Well, Spend Better, and has a vision to become the financial advisor for the nation. On this episode, we learn what motivated him to get into the industry, and he teaches us the value of money. Yes, welcome to How I Got Here podcast, uh, Emmanuel Asuko. Let's go, Come on, King. Big Reese, what are you saying? <laughs> how you doing, bro? I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, it's good to see you. You too. Um, firstly, uh, it's amazing to see a black man in a position such as yourself oh. and having the influence you have Thank in you. a positive way for our community, I think, first yeah. and foremost. Uh, secondly, I mean, with Black Pound Day and all these new innovative uh, support systems for yeah. black businesses. Yeah, I mean, y- your phone must be just going off at the moment. Like, is it the, is it the busiest that you've been personally? Because I know you don't just work with black people. Yeah, but um, in terms of of the black community, they must be looking for people like you to, you know. Yeah, definitely, man. I think I always call it like knowing the arc. So I feel like I've been building this arc, like this personal finance. I've been talking about it forever, and everyone's like, it's not going to rain. It's not going to rain. What's he doing? It's not going to rain. It's never rained. And then all of a sudden, lockdown come and it rained. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh. And you mean that as in life got hard? Life like, got hard. Life yeah. got real. People lost their jobs. People, you know, I think a lot of us live in that kind of full sense of security of employment. Yeah. So employment gives you a day where you know you're going to get paid. And therefore you feel, I can do whatever I want from, one day, from this day till I get paid again. And then one day you don't get paid. And you're like, oh, what do I do? And so for me, when I'm talking about emergency funds and saving and budgeting and delay gratification, all of that's going over your head because you're like, I'm getting paid next month. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Or well, now you're not getting paid. Or now you're getting paid 20% less. Or you still have to pay back the money that you're getting yeah. in the long run. I mean, we've, we've, got, we've got a stage where we've got people who have never, ever been on universal credit in their life that are now living off it. That's, that's a... That's a that's emotional. That's mental. You know, can you imagine if you've if you've had the big cars, the bonuses from work, the four or five holidays a year, then all of a sudden you're on universal credit and someone's calling you up every month, checking, are you going to work or have you applied for a job or how much are you taking? What have you been spending that money on? Well, this is a great conversation to have because in two ways you've got for young people listening that want to get into the finance industry and do your job, which yeah. is being a financial advisor. Yeah. And then you have uh, the other side of that for any young person who's tuned in to to get intelligent with their finances yes. now in general, just to learn. Yeah. Um, so let's start with the fi- the actual job role and maybe not just the financial advisor, but in the yeah. sector as a whole. Um, so for you, how did that begin for you? Uh, was there, is it a case of uni parents wanting to boom finance? Uh, kind of parents a lot. Obviously I'm Nigerian. So when you're Nigerian, like, it's, it's, it's painful. It's hard. Like, <laughs> just average is not acceptable. Do you know what I right. mean? And the problem for me, I guess, when I was growing up, all I was getting was average. I thought I was going to play ball. I played rugby and basketball to a high level. So I thought sport was going to be me. 
obviously tell that to your dad it's like a spit in the face you know what I mean wow. he hasn't come from hasn't got to come all the way from Nigeria for you to go and play basketball play games this is this is not what he's come for so I then basically I lived in a place called Tower Hamlets so Limehouse right next to Canary Wolf and I could see these buildings from my bedroom and I was like you know what these buildings and, and when you're in poverty when you're in, when you're in poverty you don't really understand the small things that you find big so the big thing for me in my house was leaving the light on like if you left the light on in the kitchen your mum would lick you up like who left the light on in the yeah. kitchen <laughs> like who so then when I used to look out on my bedroom that's money that's money yeah. do you understand so that's how I translated money as a mm. child was the light on in the kitchen and wasting food these are the two things that if you did it it was like it was a big thing in the house and yeah, when I used to look out of my bedroom window, living in Limehouse, you could see these buildings in Canary Wharf at 11, 12 o'clock at night. Every floor had lights on. Wow. And I used to tell myself, nah, there must be money over there. Because I can't even leave the light on in the kitchen. These men are leaving like 100 floors of lights on. Nobody's there. And so I said, nah, that's where I need to be. And madly, that's how I got into finance. Literally, that was my vision board. My window became my vision board. I have to be over there because I can't leave the light on in the kitchen. And so I started working. Um, I got a job in, in Canary Wharf in Marks and Spencers. Because, again, I understood that I wasn't ready to have the finance job, but this is the area I want to be in, so I'm going to work. I'm going to work incredible. in this area. So I worked in Marks and Spencers 5 a.m. in the morning, and then I used that to get a part-time job at Barclays as a cashier whilst doing my degree as in accounting and finance. The Canary Wolf Barclays. Yeah. Okay, I see, what, I see, <laughs> see how it? this is working. Do you see what I'm saying? So, so this is all rubbing off on you. So it's energy. All energy. Around, yeah. So I now I'm, I'm working. So then I've got a job in the branch. So I'm working in the branch in Baker Street and I meet this manager and this manager just literally tells me, I like you, but you're not doing enough. And you know what? That's when I first ever had a mentor, ever had someone that I could look up to and say, no, I want to be like you. And he told me, listen, if you're on time, you're late. And so I started to be, I started to get to work half an hour early. And then I started to set my clock half an hour early. So I was getting to work one hour early, one hour early. So guess what? When you get to the branch one hour early, who's at the branch? The CEO. The branch manager. Right. So now we're having one-to-ones because he gave me the energy. He told me what he needed from me and I gave it back to him. So because of that, now he wants to give me more. So he starts telling me, pick out these brochures in the, in the banking hall, start reading it. Because then I learned that I'm a cashier, but I want to be a financial advisor. I want to be something more. So I can't work in the level that I'm at. I can't think of myself as a cashier. I have to think of myself as where I want to be. So I start picking out these books, start learning about mortgages, about pensions, about credit cards. And so I start, and then he says, look, we've got to hit target. So, you, got, you know, when customers come in, you've got to refer them and, and so forth. I worked three days a week and I still was the number one target. I hit the most target, everyone in the branch. So to the point where when I wasn't in the branch, the branch wouldn't hit their week target. And I'm part-time. So then I learned about making yourself important. And that's the thing. Sometimes we can live to a standard of what everyone else sets. But I understood I had to set myself expectations above what everybody else expected. So that when I finished my degree at age 22... Barclays told me, what do you want? Do you think that's uh, almost part because you're a black man as well, that you had to kind of set your expectations? You had to set your importance even more than so someone else? Because it's a corporate world, you know what I mean? And yeah. Let's be honest, we, I mean, we've seen everything that's gone on recently in terms of social issues and things are changing, but mm. 
it, you know, it hasn't, it's not like it's changed overnight. Yeah. And especially back then when you was doing that, was that, did that play in your mind? Or was there a sense of it didn't almost matter what you looked like, who you are, what colour you was, you always knew you could just do it? No, being black was, was a part, but not for me, it wasn't necessarily just about, for me, it was about my dad. So my dad threw me in the bin. He thought, look, I've got four GCSEs. I had to, my head of year had to write a letter for me to get into college. I went to college. I, got, I failed college as well. I went to uni just because obviously being Nigerian, you have to go to university. Mm. So I went to uni. And, and even at uni, I got a third class. So listen, my dad, he's, he's thought, luckily you, I've got two little sisters. So he's like, yeah, all right, we'll work on those ones. Forget this guy. This guy's gone. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's failed. So for me, it was about showing him that no piece of paper, no qualification can ever validate me. I know the greatness that I have inside. And so, but I knew that education or the way I was taught, because what I learned was actually, I'm actually quite clever because I had to pass my professional exams and there's 70% pass mark and I passed them. But what I understood was I didn't understand how I learned. So the way I was taught wasn't in a way that was best for my brain and how I thought. But when I worked at Barclays, they paid for me to have a tutor. And that's when I learned how I understand, how my brain takes in knowledge and how I have to study and so when I could learn that, that then enabled me to pass the qualification. So I took the exams and Barkley said, listen, whatever job you want, you can get it. And I was like, I'm going to be a financial advisor. And at 22, I became the youngest financial advisor in Barclays in the country with four GCSEs, failed college, third class, third class um, at university. And for me, it's one yeah, of the... And, and coming from Limehouse. And coming yeah, from I'm just saying, proper uh, Limehouse. No offense to your heads, but... Do you know what I mean? From, from <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tower that's Hamlet. what I said, yeah. And so for me, that was, that was when I realised that I could think of something. I could look out of a window and have a dream at 13, 14, and by 22, I could make it happen. And once I realised that, nothing ever has ever been able to stop me since. That's a, that's a powerful story there. Like a, a real powerful idea of you've visualized something you kind of had to see it but you saw it and it was already done exactly before you even did the path to get there um so let's then change that to now so you get your first job as financial advisor yeah and you have a better paycheck coming in than maybe maybe you've ever had before the smile Come i can on. tell it was nice oh, yeah sweet so then how did you know what to do with that money because the first thing as well surely you're wanting to just come home and buy new trainers new outfits new things and when i guess i'll leave that to you to decide whether that's what's wrong or right yeah. but what did you know what to do with your first check i didn't i listen okay. i had scars you have to understand i didn't get my first pair of designer trainers and they were adidas by the way not nikes i didn't get my first pair of designer trainers at age 15 when you go to a boys school i went to bow boys one of the worst schools in tower hamlets and one of the worst in the country and so when you don't have designer clothes, every day you're getting bullied. Every day. I was going Lidl's before Lidl's was cool. Do you know what I mean? Now, every, now you've seen Aldi's and Lidl's. Now, I was going there when we would just hold the food because you were so embarrassed to pay for the 5p for the Lidl bag. So I used to just hold my food in my hands and walk on the street. So I was, we was, didn't have money. And so once I got that paycheck, the first thing I did was start buying. I remember I was buying basketball trainers. I weren't even playing basketball. But I knew that I couldn't buy these trainers when I was playing. Wow, and so yeah. sometimes, again, we, some of us have to go, get over the scars that we've been through or the, or the things that, you know, we feel that validate us. And so Wait, it, you said the ego of even not on. having to hold a little bag. Come on. So 
it for me was about understanding that I, and this is one thing that I teach young people now, is about value. So a lot of times we're taught about money, but actually we need to understand about value. So what I teach young people about is about value and understanding value. And if you can add value to yourself, value will create money. If I've got a skill that I add to myself, I've added value to myself and someone will pay me for that skill, I tell people, I get paid to talk. When I was in school, I used to get in detention for talking. I used to get told that I talk too much or when I used to crack jokes, oh, you're, I remember one time one teacher called me the entertainment system of the class. My dad licked me down. Now they pay me for these exact same skills because I've learned to nurture it and put it in the right environment. And so for me, it's about understanding value. And now I understand that because I am valuable, anything that I have, I make that valuable. So I don't need brands. I don't need to be on holiday in Dubai. I don't need a, a, a nice car. I add value to it. If, I'm, if, it's, if it's a Fiat that I'm in, I've made that Fiat valuable. If I'm wearing, I don't know, Joe Bloggs. Joe Bloggs is cool now because I'm wearing it. I can see you in a Fiat 500. I Come on. Could you imagine a big man like me? I could, yeah. I could. <laughs> <laughs> but then, okay, so let's, let's uh, in college right now, mm. uh, and the money you're getting is from working in, in uh, like we all did a retail yeah. store. How can you learn to make, can you make money work for you then? Like, can you make money for yourself then? Especially you're in an environment where you see people that have nicer clothes and stuff, doing stuff which might actually not be legal, Come firstly, on. but battling that, like, I'm working longer than they are, more than that, but they still got more than me. How how do you mm. change that? And yeah, I think, number one, yes, you can make money work for you at any age. So I've got young children. And I teach them about money and separating it, understanding the core values of money and understanding, okay, even though I'm making money, I, don't, I can't spend all the money I get. Again, this is another thing that we're not taught. I remember when I was young, we used to go to African parties and dance and then they'll spray us money, which basically means they, they put money on your head as you're dancing for the, for the ones that are dancing the best. And if you had a good mum, your mum would give you that money and you could go and spend it. If you had a mum like mine, she would take that money, you would never see it again. And if you had the cheek to ask where that money is, you'd say, there's food in the fridge, the light switch on, that's your money. But it was one of those things that, as young people, we're taught a concept of whatever money you get, you can spend, all right? But actually, when we get to work, before we even get our money, they've already taken tax, national insurance. And before you can spend it, you've then got rent or, or, or um, council tax or whatever it may be. So actually, it's a false narrative. So we need to understand that when money comes in, we can't just spend all of it all at once. And that's why I see young people now who earn around a thousand pounds a month and they've got 400 pound car, car finance for this GLA that they want to drive around. Mm. Like you ain't got GLA money. Just because you can afford it doesn't mean you should buy it. And so it's about understanding how money works. And actually what we want to do is delay our gratification because what we want is to have, what we do now is we make money and then we spend money. And by doing that, it means we always have to work for money because there's nothing in between. So we need to make money at all so that I understand if I make money and then I use money to invest or make me money, my investments will pay for what I want. But what's scary is I only learned this at 25. <laughs> I know, it's like, mad, isn't it? That's scary, though. I think a lot of us had that yeah. kind of rich dad, poor dad, read exactly. that book moment and things went, ah. Exactly. But like but the education is just not there. But people have to understand that debt is a billion pound industry. Like if we all were financially savvy, a lot of people would lose a lot of money. So it's in the interest of a lot of people for us to make these mistakes. 
And so we, this is why I'm on this mission. Right. Working Crazy. in the industry. This is why I'm on this. Like I've, wor I've worked in these banks. I've worked in finance. I understand nothing's done by accident. If they wanted us to be savvy and whatever, they could put money towards it. But that's not what they want. Well, I kind of remember being at university and having the option to have a £5,000 overdraft. Think about that. I was like, oh my God. Like, I, I'm holiday. Like, <laughs> like, it's booked. Come on. Like, but I didn't know you get charged. Come on. The for not paying that back. That was in... And my mum, like, my mum worked in a bank mm. and still was like, yeah, you should get it. Just, it's just from what your through generations... Exactly. You know, get passed down. But let's say you... Okay, so we've moved from... We've understood in sixth form and the start of university... Yeah that concept so now we go get our first job uh still living at home say because we can't afford a mortgage that's mm -hmm. a whole thing in itself sure uh and even is that the smart thing to do do you think get a mortgage is that because it feels like now that's what we aim for mm. getting a relationship to buy a mortgage is that would you say that's yeah great thing to do with your money property is a is a good investment but it all depends i always talk about people knowing their why i think that's a big thing again that we're not taught you're not taught to understand your why the reason that we want to buy property is vanity. Out of all the investment classes that are out there, the reason we like property is because we can tell someone, look, this is my house. It's the physical asset. So we want, this is why people love property. It's, it's an ego thing. It's all about, oh, look, I've got, I've, this is my investment. Look, this is my house. But actually, if you think about it, the house that you live in, until you've paid it off, they can make you sell it if you can't make your payments. So you don't own it for 20 to 30 years. But it's the fact that you can say, yeah, this is my house. Yeah, this is mine. Or the keys picture it's, Instagram. Come on. Thing Whereas if you've, got, if you've got 200K in shares, you can't show someone, these are my shares. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't really work like that. Oh, this is how much I've got in H&L. Like, it it's not as cool, right. is it, really? Do you know what I mean? That's not a great picture. That is... Well, essentially, it's our big ego trip then. And that isn't... Uh, Maybe we see it in our community in terms of, well, the music that we listen to is predominantly, mm. if you see the videos or you, the lyrics are about that. But that just seems a, a for everyone, really, right? Mm. A, any colour, that's a young person's thing. The idea of not wanting to lease the car, that's really hard, though, not to do. Mm. So, okay, so you have your money. So you're saying property might not be the best thing to do, you're saying. You're saying the majority of that is vanity. So if it's not property, then if we say, okay, I'm not going to get property then what do you do with that? Are you just saving? Like no, I mean, it depends on what you want to do. Property is a good asset, is a good investment, and you can use it. But what I'm saying is for a lot of people is they're going to go into, they're going to jump into shared ownership, or they're going to jump into the, the best new build because they want to make sure they've got two bedrooms, two toilets, and, you know, they've got a gym downstairs or whatever it may be. So when we're saying property, I'm saying... I feel like you're atting me. I'm sorry. Because I'm trying to look for something. <laughs> and I'm just like, it, but it doesn't need all that stuff. I'm, like, I'm, trying to, I mean? I'm, I'm trying to make you understand that the house that you live in is a liability. It's not an asset until you paid it off. So actually, what your focus should be is buying a house, a smaller house that's affordable so you can still save to buy houses that are making you money. Remember, if I continue, if I continue to have to work for someone, I'll have to work over and over and over for years and years and years. So why am I why am I living in something that's worth seven hundred k, when I could manage a house that's four hundred or five hundred and use that two hundred to go and invest in some property that can bring me an income? Because at the end of the day, I would rather work three days a week and get my property income that subsidizes it than have to work five days a week for someone else to pay for my seven hundred k house. And it's about understanding the asset. And this is why I talk about why. We don't know our why. We're only doing stuff because we feel that this is what everyone else is doing. That's why so many people are doing Forex right now or doing yeah. Bitcoin. You don't even... Forex, man. You know you got Some your bread in there. Like, hey, come on. Forex. They just get the cars from for renting out for come a on. day. Like, isn't it so clear? But yeah, but it's one of those things... But like, if you're a 15-year-old, I would have got sucked into that. I can make money in 
post next to Lamborghinis and hot girls. Like, that's if you're 16, you're like, ah, oh, this is a dream. The, like, whole, the whole concept is of not ha- having to work hard. You see, we've lived on, we've read too many books, and now the books say work smarter, not harder, right? So now we think if we're working smarter, I'm going to go and do Forex so I don't have to work for someone. Listen, not everybody's got the skill and talent to do that. The same thing with Bitcoin. You're struggling with Word and PowerPoint and you want to do Bitcoin. It's not for you. That's not for you. That's not, that's not, that's not your investment. That's for somebody else. Do you know what I mean? So that's where you come in. No, in certain exactly, situations. In certain right. situations. But for me, it's about understanding what's your why. So what, what am I trying to get towards? What's my financial goals? What are the goals that I've set myself? And then what are the best investments to get me to them? Okay, and that why can be in anything really, can't anything. it? Anything. That's not just money. That's No. And that's the point. It's not money. Money is not a why. And that, that's, money is a result. That's a result of work or, or whatever it may be. And that's something that you use. It's a tool. So it's like saying, the way I always talk about money is it's, it's a tool. So I don't know, it's like a spanner. You don't, yes, a spanner is great, but only for what you want to use it for. That's, that's the, it's the tool to help the actual, what you're trying to build, as opposed to being the be all and end all. Well, it sounds like your why is essentially being able to create almost like a passive income to come in, right? From exactly. other, from investment opportunities. And how did you then come up with your why? Because it kind of sounds easy to say, yeah. but if you're listening now and you're like, well, I, I, don't, I generally don't know my why. Mm. Or my why is I do just want to drive a nice car. Like, how do you come up with the right why? I think for me, like the way I worked out my why was understanding what's most important to me. So for me, it was about being able to spend time with my children. Like I got four kids. I know. I don't even want to get into it. But yeah, <laughs> I, I got four kids. I've done it now, innit? What can I do? But <laughs> <laughs> what can I do? Right, they're a blessing. You know, I know, you you know you're yeah. <laughs> But you know, it's one of those ones where I know that my dad couldn't come football with me. When I used to play football or rugby or basketball, right. I had other people's parents that used to support me, that used to they used to forget their kids and be like, yo, hey, man, well done. And I, and, I, and I used to hate that. And I said to myself, when I have kids, I'm going to make sure I'm around. But I understand the grind, especially in finance. Finance is a, is a 14, 15 hour, like you're working hours, especially if you've got different markets that you're looking after and so forth and clients that are in different time zones. So I understood that, listen, I've got to start making money for myself so that I can be around my kids. So I had to, so instead of focusing on getting a mortgage, I focused on building my business. And so now my business, look, we're in a recession. This year, I haven't worked for no one else other than myself in a recession. And, and that's the importance. I can feed my wife, my family um, off my own back. And that was, that was my why, and I'm doing it now. And in going forward now, we're, we're looking at property. We're looking at, obviously, shares. And I've always done shares, being a financial advisor. That's always shares and funds and so forth. But it's about understanding what's most important to me. I can't say my kids are what's most important to me if I'm spending no time with them. Mm. No, I get you. I get you. No, it's worse. It's kind of feel like, was that, you was almost not forced to know that was your why, but it put mm. you in a position to make it easier for that. Exactly. So if you still don't know that, you just have to kind of live more life essentially and make try them things maybe get in the car is not the smartest thing but you only know that once you've done it and and, but the problem is is too many of us are making mistakes we're learning from mistakes and we act like we're the first to live on this planet so sometimes we have to talk to those that have come before and see them and learn for us a wise person learns from somebody else's mistakes so if i see that you bought a car and actually the car is the worst thing that you did i'm not going to say oh i must buy a car too like just just to say that i did it as well like I've got to learn from it. And so understand that, and this is what we talk about value. So remember, that no matter what car you drive, you're still you. Some of us feel that, oh, if I drive this car that I saw in this music video, I'm gone, I'm done. Mm. But 
then you still have to question yourself. I've been there. Like you drive the nice car. Yes, you got the nice girls and da 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 da. But you're still questioning yourself, right? Is she with me for me or the car? Right. Is she with me for me or the job? Like, do you understand what I'm trying to say? So this is why I talk about knowing yourself. Because if you know yourself and you and you know what you you stand for and the values that you have, then everything else is a bonus. And let's go back to your your job specifically as well. If you are a young black man, woman, mm. or ethnic minority in any sense, uh, you mentioned like Canary Wolf, which yeah. you, when you go there, you don't see many people yeah. that look like you in the higher positions. Mm -hmm. So how do you get over that? It must be quite intimidating in a sense, because even culturally, they might you're having conversations that you might not have at home. Or how what, what advice would you give to young people that may be going through that? I say it's, it's getting better. It's getting better. There are there are more, but when you get to senior level, it's not going to be many. Like when I was there, when I was working, when I worked in that industry, I was literally the only one, and I was youngest as well. So it was it was like all my colleagues could have been my parents, all late forties, early fifties, and I'm there twenty two. It was just it was it was hard, but at the same time, I had to understand that I have to go through this in order to set because representation matters. So right now I'm able to tell this story and somebody else can now look and say, right, no, this brother came from where I came from and he did it, so I can do it. And sometimes you, you have to, we have to look beyond just ourselves and understand that we're part of a community. But the problem is, is that that whole element, we don't see ourselves as part of a community. And so for me, the reason I do what I do now with so much passion is that I understand that I am a valuable member of a community and, and I need to give the financial knowledge that I have to my community. But imagine if every teacher said, I need to give that that education back. Every builder said, I need to, if we all started working like that, all of a sudden, it's a different, it's, it's powerful. It's hard though, when you come from a place where you're driven by fear and a come sense of, of loss, mm -hmm. I don't want to lose this. Because even if you've got a lot of money listening to the show right now, or maybe not loads of money, mm. but you've just been working, living at home, you've been able to save. Yeah. Um, you, how, how do you mentally get over that point of, I don't want to put it into investments because I'm too, ah, it's my money. Like I, I've never had this before and now exactly. it's going to go. I think it's about understanding. So I always, I always teach about inflation. So one of the big things that stop us from investing is the fear of losing money. But actually it's about the spending power. So imagine 25K. If I had 25K 25 years ago, I could have bought a house. If I didn't invest, if I didn't buy a house and kept it 25 years later, I still have 25K, but now I have a deposit. And so it's understanding. You can talk about winning, losing money, but if the, if the cost of everything's going up, I talk about um, plantain. Sorry, I'm a plantain brother. I love it. Yeah. It was four for one pound. Now it's three for one pound 50. In the recession, in this lockdown, I saw ATP. I'd almost, I almost had to call police. I said, what? <laughs> ATP. What kind of robbery is that? I mean, plantain, you mean, but... Uh, oh, sorry, yeah, Caribbean. Yeah, sorry, I forgot, okay, you, know, yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, it's Africans. Uh, yeah, this, this is us. But it's one of them things where, for me, it's about understanding that... And this, if that happens with food, if that happens with travel, if that happens with clothes, all of a sudden, you might, not, you might feel like, oh, I've still got the money, but the spending power is dwindling. And that's why we have to invest. That's why we have to make our money work for us. So, Emmanuel, talk to me about the uh, different roles in the finance industry. So, I know you're a financial advisor, but I'm sure there's, there's tons more, right? Yeah, there's so much more. I mean, obviously, most people know about, you can be an accountant, but then even in finance, even like, in, you can be an investment manager, you can be a fund manager, hedge fund manager, analyst. So, it's all about understanding what your skills are. So, for me, I'm a people person. So, financial advice works for me because I'm meeting people all the time. 
if you're not really liking to talk to people and know their business and know what they're about, then maybe you're more analytical, then you might prefer to be an analyst or you might prefer to be an accountant. So that's the best thing about finance. I think depending on, on the skills that you have and the attributes you have, you can find a role that meets that. that, meets that. And then managing your own personal finances and getting to a stage where you've done a good job at that. Um, you know, what doors can that open for you? Like starting your own business and... Yeah, no, I think it's so important because if you finance is the backbone to any business. I always talk about people not, not understanding. If you don't price your product properly, you can sell loads of it, but still go out of business. So understanding pricing, understanding money, understanding cash flow forecasting, business plan. These are standard things in a business. That's, but That's going over my head, <laughs> which I'm annoyed about. Yeah. Trust me, but it's so important. Like, And I always tell people that they should see themselves as a business. I know Jay-Z has the line, I'm not a businessman, I'm a businessman. Business and, yeah. and, and that's how I feel like we should walk around. and Because ha- the same way you would think, if I'm a business, I understand that I need to get to, I need to get to the business before my customers. So I need to open up the shop before they can get in. Mm. But some of us are walking around, we're, we're going late places, we're not, we're, not, we're not acting like a business. So if you see yourself as a business and move as a business and also start as early as possible, there's so many side hustles. Instagram, LinkedIn, these, allow you, these are platforms that allow you to reach potential customers and clients for free. So for me, it's like the earlier we get into business, some of us wait till we're like 25, 30 before we start our first business. I'm about starting as early as possible because then you make those mistakes as early, early then, then you can have a better chance of becoming an entrepreneur and having multiple businesses rather than just one. Wicked. All right, Emmanuel. That's been great. You've been a lot of help to a lot of people listening, I'm sure. And thank you for being an inspiration in our community as well. Big thank love you. to you, bro. Thank you for your time. No, thank you, Reese. Lovely meeting you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We appreciate you. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And of course, follow our social media channels at Westfield London and at Westfield Stratford City. So next up on the podcast, we are going to be joined by AJ Padiel, founder of Art Clubbers and Octay Saliav, who runs the Hustle Guide, plus one of the students that they've helped.